When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to episode three here on season two. Me, myself, and I, I'm Brandon Farmer, here with my co-host, Nick Wilson. Co-host? I'm a co-host now? Oh, yeah. Have I always been a co-host? Well, I'm a co-host, didn't know too. We were co-hosting. Okay. We're co-hosts yeah. together. We are yeah. co-hosting. Like I said last episode, if you listen to that, go and listen to us interview the one and the only, the unique Kevin Moore. That's it. He's... Fairly unique. Very famous as well. We, we Especially had, around here. Well, we had to tell Justin Bieber that he could not be on the podcast because we had Kevin <laughs> Moore. You know, we had Kevin, We had to get Kevin Yeah, Moore. you know that good friend, Justin Bieber. Yeah. He, he's he's going to be in my movie, by the way. I bet he will. Yeah, he, he's going to yeah. be in my movie. Yeah, and who else was so, that besides Justin? Harry Styles, and I don't, I can't remember the third guy. <laughs> I don't remember his name. Anyway, but yeah, no, welcome to the podcast, guys. It's great to be back, Brandon. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm uh, happy to be back, and um, like I said, we're going to talk about some interesting stuff. I think get into it. We've already kind of discussed a couple of things. <laughs> we had a significant... Before, okay. so, before we started uh, this podcast. So. Yeah, so writing this podcast was... We talked about a lot of different things, and I think a lot of the ideas for this episode that we threw up on the wall, we may never talk about, because as we were figuring this episode out, we figured out that... Just some of the things that we threw up on that idea board maybe we shouldn't talk about. Yeah, I mean... Some of the things we will talk about later on in the season. Of course. But some of those some of those things we're going to kind of steer away from. But anyway, I'll let Brandon kind of introduce what we're going to talk about today. Well, discussing it a while ago, I think we should be... This is a great topic, I think, on, on with anybody, is uh, when you get out of high school, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to college or are you going to pick a... Uh, career to get something to go in you know uh, it could be anything uh, to just start making money yeah right off the bat absolutely so um, I, I think first we should talk about our experiences coming out of high school you and I had, had okay not they weren't extremely different that's but, a great idea but we didn't necessarily leave high school in the same manner right and we didn't we didn't have the same journey. We we really didn't have a similar journey. But I think uh, it's really important for me to give my perspective on this, and for you to give your perspective because it's going to help balance kind of the entire topic. I'm sorry, I didn't stand up. College, yeah, he just stood up. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. I know you're having a look at me. Like, yeah, you're I'm, having. I'm up. looking up at uh, you. Okay. So, but Brandon, if you kind of want to go ahead and start, tell us what what it was like. Oh, uh, graduation, look, okay. graduation to now. Uh, before I graduated, I didn't know really what it, I wanted to do or what I wanted to be. Come, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people don't at that point in time. So maybe some people got it figured out already. Some people you see in school wouldn't have – you, you kind of see where they were going, what they were going to get into eventually. Um, I don't know, man. Just kind of roll with the punches there after high school, after I graduated. I didn't uh, work with my father-in-law in construction. 
uh, over the summer. And what was that like? I mean, that was a, that was a wake up call. It's, it's it, it pretty much telling you, hey, look, this is the real world. You know, if you're if you're wanting to lean this way and go this way, then there's n- nothing wrong with trying it out and just seeing what direction you want to go. And on the construction part of it, there's a lot of people out there who who don't have college degrees at all, you know, but they have their own business and end up making a lot of money on that end. So <clears throat> on that perspective, I mean, you looking at it that way, it's intriguing to not just go ahead and go do that, you know, and, and try to make something of yourself, um, being self-employed and making your own business. But I did, I mean, it's, it's nothing that, you know, I was crazy about getting to, I, I was still, you know, young and, um, it was mainly helping him. He built houses, so I would help him clean houses up. We would come in after the people would come in after framing or doing sheetrock and so forth and um, clean up the house and just get it ready for the next person to come in and do whatever they need to do. Um, so I end up, after, after that summer, end up going to college for a semester I got you at Gaston State didn't know what I wanted to do at all didn't know where I was going what I was leaning into Clint Hammy Casey the crew the crew Alex Taylor I'm trying to remember who else and that was basically all of it um I have no idea what they were trying to do or what they were getting into or what they wanted to take I took a couple of classes of, I took I think one was English and one the other one was Western Civilization which I never should have been in period you took Western Civ? I did God, I would have loved I didn't get to take that in college I would have loved to have taken oh that my goodness yeah. do you not yeah. like it? huh? do you not like it? no maybe if I'd have been a little bit older at yeah. the time I probably would have been interested in it a little bit more but you know since you got your buddies who come at your classroom door, as soon as you step into class and sit down and tell, hey, come on, Brandon, let's, let's, let's you know, let's bail. Uh, you know, so yeah. you got a lot of that. But, um, so that didn't help any. That's for sure. Anyway, basically that semester of Gaston State was fun times. <laughs> That's all it really was. So it was the best time of my life. Um, not my life, but one of them. Um, just hanging out with them and just getting to do stuff like that. And after that semester, went into working. I uh, thought about going to be an M- M- EMT, a firefighter, and um, I had to take an EMT class at Gaston State. I took that and um, saw the other side of that. I'm not – I don't want to be in a hospital, and I probably don't want to – I ain't a, learning that I didn't want to be in that field, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of stuff I, I couldn't handle in that field, especially with, you know, everyday life and um, car crashes and stuff like that, and people getting hurt. I, I couldn't handle all that. But, so, fast forward a little bit, got end up getting in construction um, and laying block, laying brick and all that stuff. Taught me a lot. And um, around 2005... 
going into th- you could see it going in 2006 that the housing business was kind of going down and I was traveling further and further out for work yeah uh the people I, w- I was working for and I had to find a um something different I was like I, c- I can't this is not going to happen you know I-, I could see where the market was going I can see where the housing business was going and it was starting to kind of slowly take a turn uh downward and so that's when I started cutting grass on the weekends, uh, finding my own uh, customers to cut for and stuff, and doing the block and brick work during the week, cutting on the weekends. And I just basically grew my business on the weekends enough where I didn't have to lay block or brick anymore. Um, I did work for another business, uh, a wedding business, about for a uh, year and a half to almost two years and then finally just got away and I was on my own basically so and over time just started started building and building and building uh, towards my building my business and um, just got enough customers to uh, to uh, provide for my, my me and my family so um, and that's where I am today 13 years later still doing it that's crazy that's awesome yeah so um so yeah, I mean, um, I guess from my perspective, if if my if you if you want to go into that, you want to go into that there, or you want to go ahead and give yours, and then we can I'll, we can yeah, kind of follow. Yeah, into I'll, that. I'll give mine. Okay, go uh, ahead and give so yours. Basically, I'm a little background, a little context for my story. In high school, I was a very dedicated I, I don't mean to sound I don't know the word I don't mean to sound I guess arrogant uh but but, You're arrogant, but yeah I was I was a very I don't necessarily mean I mean determined in both the best of of, of ways and the worst of ways I had tunnel vision and and my tunnel vision I was focused on being the best both academically and socially I was just so competitive it was just all about making good grades doing the right thing I was going to be the best person that I could be and my goal was obviously to get into a really good institution my goal actually for most of college was to get a scholarship to go to the University of Alabama I thought for most of my high school career I wanted to go to get my political science degree, go to a nice graduate school, get my master's degree in foreign relations or international studies, and then go work for the State Department in Washington, D.C. and work my way up until I became an ambassador for the United States of America. Yeah. And maybe even the Secretary of State one day. But my senior year of high school, about, well, about as as of the moment of this recording right kind of in the middle of the spring semester. And it really started that January after Christmas. I started to realize that my high school career was going to end. And I was one of those weird people that just really enjoyed almost every aspect of high school. I enjoyed the class. I enjoyed... I even enjoyed the people I didn't like. The people that I went to school with that I didn't like, I still kind of enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed my teachers. I enjoyed... The the sports aspect of school, the social aspect of school, the academic aspect of school. I enjoyed it all. I just loved school. And when it really hit me 
kind of at the beginning of my spring semester, my senior year, that I would no longer get to experience that, that I would have to go on to college, which I knew would be kind of similar to high school, but also different in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then after that life, it started to force me to kind of think, okay, what job, what could I do for the rest of my life that would bring me back here to this school setting? And I realized that teaching, you know, I loved hanging around people at the time my age, but I loved, I loved this idea of telling kids and teaching kids things that I wish I had known or that I found interesting or that I knew would, would have helped me in a different circumstance. So by about late March, mid-April, by about spring break of my senior year, I kind of knew that I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. I just hadn't vocalized it yet. And we were talking, I was talking about it in class. I may have been talking about it with my counselor and I just kind of went, you know, I'm thinking about becoming a teacher. And I talked to some of my, at the time, teachers. Now they're my colleagues because I do work at the school that I graduated from. Right. And a lot of them thought, you know, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We think that you would be a, a good, a, at least a decent teacher. So I, I didn't end up going to the University of Alabama. I ended up going to Auburn. And I was very blessed to have the opportunity to be, well, to be afforded the opportunity to go there on a, on a full scholarship. Go to Auburn. Go there for four years. I stuck with it. It was really, really hard. I'm not going to lie. It was, there were days that, you know, I would I would call friends of mine and I would just go, I really don't want to, I just want to drop out and yeah. go do something and just, I just, this is just tough. And I think, but, but that's very reflective of life. You know, there are things in life that you just hit, you hit roadblocks in life and you just go, man, I really don't want to do this anymore. But it's life. You have to. Right. And, and I realized that and I pushed through. And the day that I graduated from Auburn, I remember going, okay, what am I doing next semester? Yeah. Oh, wait. Um, there's not a next semester. I have a degree, and supposedly this degree says that I'm certified to do this thing, which right. was teach. Yeah. And the state of Alabama said, here's a teaching certificate. And the state of Alabama has now certified that you can teach the youth of America. And it honestly kind of freaked me out a little bit because I'm going, holy crap. What if I forget everything? Like, <laughs> holy crap. What? I could screw this up, you know. And if I screw up, that means I'm screwing up the future, right? Because when a teacher messes up, they're not, it's not like, you know, you can go and fix the weld or tear down the house and and build another one. Yeah, it's, Yours, it's a pretty big deal. Teachers screw up society, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So not, not, not completely, but to a certain extent, that's kind of true. So I'm going, wow. And, and actually, I knew I had a buddy of mine who was a year ahead of me. He graduated in the cohort ahead of me. Yeah. So he wasn't a year ahead of me, but he was in the cohort ahead of me at Auburn. He graduated, got a job, taught for a semester, and said, yeah, I can't do this. This is this is too much. And I saw him. He came back to Auburn to... to No, 
excuse me, he was doing his student teaching. That's what it was. He was in the middle of his internship. And halfway through his internship, he just kind of went, yeah, no, I'm not going to screw. And and he quit. He he had gone three and a half years into his teaching degree and said no because he was too scared that he was not going to do the job justice. He didn't want to. And he told me, he wow. said, Nick, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to mess up these kids' education. I don't yeah. want to do it to them. He said, I, I don't know if I could sleep at night if I did. And he just wasn't confident enough in his own ability to make sure that he did a good job right? to allow himself to sleep good at night. Yeah. So anyway, I, I graduate. Uh, I, I come back home, interview for a job at home. I'd had a job lined up elsewhere, actually back in Auburn at Auburn High School. But when I knew that I had this job here at Asheville, I'd interviewed, they called, offered me the job, and I said, yes, I, I've i been here. You know, the, the, the rest is history. I've been here teaching, got a college degree. I, I know at some point, not now, but within the next three to five years, I'm going to be going back and getting, I will be pursuing my master's degree in my career field to further my education. But that's, I'm not going to get into why, but anyway. Well, we can so, we can a little bit later. We can, yeah. We can get into why about that, yeah. But that's my story. That's kind of my background. And it was one of those things where growing up, my parents told me, you're going to go to college. And it's because my parents graduated high school without a high school, uh, with, excuse me, they graduated high school and went straight to work. And they both had a very rough time finding a career that without a college degree that would have afforded them the life that they wanted. And for instance, my dad went into the military. My mom, he and my mom traveled all over the world for four years as he, he was on active duty in the air force. They lived in North Carolina, Texas, I believe, and the Philippines. And while that was happening, mom worked as a bank teller. She worked in insurance. Dad, obviously, was in the military, so that's how he made his income. But when they got back to the States and they had me, they both found jobs that did not require a college degree. And they were making decent money. Yeah. But they realized after a couple of years, they had had my little brother and I. And they realized, hey, we're not going to advance in either one of my respective, in our respective careers. Dad was in telecommunications. Mom was in banking and insurance. And they both realized that we're never going to advance in our respective industries if we don't go get a college degree. And so they both went and got bachelor's degrees. They went to night school. They went and got bachelor's degrees. And both of them got, them got it in human resources and business, business leadership. And... After that experience, that is when they both told me and my brother, no matter what happens, you're going to college. Y'all are going to go to college one way or another. Yeah. And so because and the reason was because we don't we want you to one to be able to support your family. But two, we want you to support your family in a job immediately by the time you're 22. So that you don't have to do what we had to do. So, it's a little different from your experience because you started your own business. They, they, you were working for you, 
they were working for somebody else. Right. I think if they, like if dad had left the military and started his own business, I don't think he ever would have gone back to school. So, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of influenced me a lot. Thankfully, though, in high school, that last semester of high school, I kind of decided on a career that required a college degree. So it was one of those things where, yeah, mom and dad told me I had to go to college, but also I needed to go to college to do what I wanted to do. But it was one of those things that I will never take back. You know, the the college experience, both academically and socially, is very different than high school. Yeah. And I had a lot of fun. But what I think we need to get into is as a society, as a country, right? which one is one more important than the other and which one do we need to kind of work on supporting more? Yeah. You know, I think definitely while I was growing up, all I heard was college, 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 college. Yeah. You need to go to college. Yeah. Now as an educator, and I think you can kind of see it too as a parent, there's a slow transition, not necessarily away from college, but it's away from, yes, it's away from just college to now it's college and career. Like when you talk about standards now and education, when educators and teachers and principals and superintendents get together in a room and have a faculty meeting, they don't talk about college standards anymore it's college and career ready standards at least in the state of alabama do our does our curriculum and do our standards reflect our education system encouraging our students that want to go to college to go to college or that want to go into a vocation or a career to go into that vocation or that career so I think that that's interesting that, and there are benefits to both and disadvantages to both, but I think you and I have a very good opportunity now to talk about it because you went down one path and I went down another path and they were very different, but they allow us, I, those experiences I think give us a lot of credibility when we're talking about this conversation right now. Yeah. I mean, what what was our country founded on on, on as far as, as far as getting where we are now, I mean, economy-wise and everything, it was built on the construction workers, the the farmers, um, insurance people. Yeah, I mean, it, our country was built the on the everyday working man. Right, exactly. Yeah, um, and I don't know. There's a lot of areas you can go into on it. I think college for me, I wish I'd have had more um, guidance. Uh, when I was in high school. On I, I was going to ask you that. If if you had more, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but yeah. it's kind of going into this really quick. Like, do you think if you had been exposed to a lot of different options, both that required a college degree and didn't require a college degree, that you might have ended up in another career? Well, I was, I was going to tell you, I almost forgot. I almost went in, uh, into the military. Yeah. Um, the Marines, they had had some interest you know you know we would have career day of course at the high school and we wouldn't go around and you're 
looking in all your options and all that Ooh. stuff. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, there you go. But I uh, came very close to, to joining the Marines, but I didn't I didn't make that decision. Um Yes, I, I wish I'd have had some other options as far as uh, guidance on after I got to college. Hey, look, this is what you got over here you can go into, or this is what you got over here and go into. I didn't really have that. Um, so it, I wish that would have been a little bit different. You know, I, I probably would have, who knows, been down, led toward a, a different road of some sort. I think amongst it all i would have ended up somewhere in the same position why because i like working outdoors um i'm not necessarily saying i'd be cutting grass or anything like that but something along them lines yeah but i would have had to i would have had to a, a degree in that background of some sort um yeah i mean uh i look back i wish i could have done stuff differently but it is what it is and i may have seen it still ended at this point anyway i'm not really sure do you think that, I don't know, maybe when you were growing up that one was pushed more than the other? Oh, you, you talk, from my parents and them? Well, school, society, Just, parents, um, everywhere. No, of course, mom and dad, uh, just like your parents uh, at the time, didn't go to college right after high school or anything like that. Um Dad was kind of feeling his way on, on his own business too. Uh, as far as uh, like bush hog equipment, tractors, uh, box cutters, your farming farming equipment that uh, people need to to farm their their fields and everything. Uh, Mom later on, about I think about when I was about twelve, I believe, uh, started working for the U.S. Mail. Uh, I've been working there ever since then, so they've. Really had to. I never was pushed to go into college. They didn't push me in in, in either direction. It's just kind of like, hey, you know, however you kind of feel, roll with the ball with, you know, just kind of roll with the punches type thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, like you were saying, that, and nowadays the shift is being made a little bit of. Hey, not just college, college and career type things, um, which is good, you know. It's um, so you cut. weren't pushed necessarily into one or the other, but you think that college has definitely been pushed more than career tech vocate the vocational side of things. I think so nowadays. Yes, yes. Uh, in the by past, nowadays, what? Wh- how far back does that go? I would say what. Between 15 and 20 years. Okay. I think it's been pushed more than... Why do you think college was pushed so hard? I think... It, I mean, this is not a disrespectful type thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, college, man, you can get that degree, you can make a lot of money. I don't know why it was pushed that way, but in a sense, I, like with me and you were talking about, not to, you know, a while ago, that that's not the case at all you know there's a lot of stuff you can get a degree in that you cannot get a job in hardly it's just it's tough um i don't know why that's pushed i I don't know if it's it's our society of where 
you know, we went from the working man type thing each and every day to, hey, you got to get that degree somehow, some way in order to have a better a better living, a better life of some sort. Um, you know, and, that, and that's, that's my opinion on it, but I didn't. But um, every episode, every episode, somebody calls me and it would be a telemarketer. But I don't know. What do you think, Nick? What do you? Um, well, I'm going to tell you, I think that I agree. It, it has been happening maybe even longer than that. Probably it started, I, I would say, late 80s, early 90s. The push really for college started to come in a couple of states and then slowly spread. And, and from the national level, too, it, it kind of hit. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I think it's because I I think it's because the the government realized that on average college graduates earn more than non-college graduates. Now, at that time, that may not be true today, but at that time, so, but wait, what does the government get out of an individual earning more money? Think about it. Uh, schools. And income tax, right? Yes. You, they get more income tax. Yeah. If you earn more, yeah. they get more income tax. So, that's, that's, the, that's the cynic in me. Yeah. That, that's kind of thinking that. But also, yeah. you know, when you're looking at other countries... Other countries were, this was also a time period where other countries were offering free universal education at that level, and everybody was going to college in Europe, and and China and Asia was kind of emerging on the global stage, and they were educating their citizenry rap- rapidly, and so I think the United States kind of got scared, right? We're going to fall behind. Americans are going to be on average more, they call it less educated, but let's just face it, more stupid than everybody else, yeah. so let's push college not to say that if you don't go to college you're more stupid than if you do but i'm just saying i think that was kind of this general fear amongst the leaders of our country at that time and so are those the only two reasons that college was pushed no but i think they both played a huge role in why college was pushed so much at that time now you look at the fact that yes both are being pushed i would say equally Actually, I would argue that career readiness is probably being pushed a little harder, not by much, but a little harder than college readiness. Uh, that's just because I'm in the education field and I kind of see what's going on. And I also have a unique perspective in, in that for three periods a day, I teach AP courses, advanced placement cor- courses, which are designed around college courses. My goal as an AP instructor is to create a, an environment and a course that reflects a college course because those students in those AP courses are most likely going to go to college. Yeah. But then the last half of the day, I teach career tech courses. I teach a vocational course around media and, and technology, those that are going to go into the vocation of whether they want to do journalism or graphic design or photography or videography, filmmaking, whatever, and not go to college. They, they want to get experience in that in high school. I, right. I teach that. So I get to see, I'm on both sides. Yeah. I go to AP conferences. I get to go to career tech conferences. You know, I I have a very unique position in that 
I actually think I'm the only person in our entire school system that has that opportunity that teaches both advanced placement and career tech classes. And there's a lot of money being put into career tech right now. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. But why? I think that it's because we are now seeing, after all these years of pushing kids into college, after all of these years, literally since, like you said, 15, 20, 25, maybe in 30 years, it's finally getting to where, okay, now there may be too many people going to college. Now there's not enough tradesmen. Right. There's not enough people in those vocations. Well, I, I, I definitely think that. There's a shortage of welders. There's a shortage of plumbers. There's a shortage of HVAC personnel. There's a shortage of mechanics. There's a shortage of botanists, or well, not botanists, but uh, horticulturists and farmers and cosmetologists and nurses. Yeah. There's a shortage of all of these different niche-specific career fields that may not necessarily need a college degree. In our school system, you can go to the career, the vocational school. We now call the career tech school or the career tech center, and you can start your, I believe it's your junior year, sophomore year. And by the time you graduate, you you can have your LPN yeah. certification. You're le- you leave high school as a licensed nurse. Right. All right? You're not... You're not an RN. You have to go to college for that. But you still can work in a hospital, a nursing home. All, yeah. You still have to take state boards. You're still a certified state nurse. Yeah. Graduating high school. Working in the health industry. Right. And I think finally educators and our and the leaders both, you know, at the state level and the national level have realized, okay, maybe our workforce is a little imbalanced. There, there's, there's, excuse me, not imbalanced, unbalanced. And there is an imbalance in our workforce in that we may have an overqualified workforce. Yeah. Now we've got Billy Joe over here who went to college for four years with a bachelor's degree. He graduates, but now he can't find a job using that degree. So what does he do? He takes a job outside of his career field that doesn't pay what he thought he was going to get paid, but now he has to pay back all these student loans. And so now he's fighting that student debt problem that's such such a major issue in the United States right now. I think that's one of them, too. I think that's a major force behind. Right. Yeah. It's because we we get a lot of these people who go to college get themselves in that debt. And they can't pay it back. Exactly. They find jobs right. that pay less than they thought. You know, everybody that goes to college thinks, yeah, I'm going to graduate and make $300,000 a year. I, Not true. And that's most of it, what I was just talking about. That's more the the mindset yes. is that, hey, we're going to go to college and make a lot of money. Well, that's that's not the case. You know, you can actually, a lot of, a lot of cases come out, like you were saying, Nick, in, in trade school uh, of some sort. When you get done with high school and start out a lot of these jobs at, hey, 17, anywhere from 17 to $20 an hour, depending on what field it, you know, it's in. And maybe even more than that, uh, depending on, like I said, what you're doing. Um, it's, it's really interesting, I think, to look at the evolution. Because at the end of the day, right, the education system 
is designed to prepare America's next generation of workers. Whether that's computer scientists, welders, uh, factory workers, it doesn't matter. As an educator, it is my job to prepare that student to be a productive member of a democratic law based society. I agree. I, I always say first it starts at home. Absolutely. Well mom and you know Tr- with your mom me. and dad. Yeah. Yes. So um with your mom and dad first and well, I think we've been fortunate enough to have parents who um who who go through life and, and, and are working uh day in and day out to provide the best life possible for you. And um I think that just alone yeah. does does you set you up for the rest of your life well so i this is the history teacher in me coming out but i want i want to kind of like build up how we got to where we are today yeah education wise cuz i think that's important so america starts right and america we start with the articles of confederation that doesn't work out so we adopt the constitution in 1783 and we start this new system of government, and, and our nation's leaders are debating over the future of, of America. What, do, what, what should the vision of America be? What should it look like? And you had two main camps. And Thomas Jefferson led one camp, and he believed that the United States should be a Republican, and, and when I say Republican, I don't mean the political party. I don't mean that, but Republican in the sense that uh, a society based on law. Yeah. Law and order. Thomas Jefferson wanted a Republican farmer, agriculture-based society, country, where the farmer ruled. Yeah. You're, and not, not your farmer that owned a billion acres and had 1,200 slaves. No. He believed that this concept of the yeoman farmer, Y-E-O-M-A-N, the average Joe farmer, farm, grow corn, grow wheat, feed the rest of the world, keep it simple, no large cities, no industrialization, no big government, right? no centralized government authority, no strong government to interfere in their lives, that kind of thing. But then you had another guy, Alexander Hamilton, Better known as the man on the twenty dollar bill. Yep. For those of you who he know he was not a president, but he was Secretary of the Treasury. And he was a very good friend of Washington. He was actually Washington's aide during the Revolutionary War. Anyway, Alexander Hamilton was a very smart young man, brought him brought himself up out of nothing, and he kind of had a different view than Jefferson. Hamilton believed that the country the future of the country rested on the shoulders of industry he was in an, he he believed in industrialization machines factories people being workers yeah living in a home clocking in going to work you know a strong central government a strong federal government to support those factories to regulate those factories to protect the worker and so you have these two ideas and they're very diametrically opposed, like one's on one end of the spectrum and one's on the other. Yeah. And look, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking at America today, 
wh- which guy was right. I mean, you could argue that Thomas Jefferson, to an extent, was right. And I think there's some validity to that argument. But I also think that, I mean, really, Alexander Hamilton's vision of what America should become and would become was correct. Well, not necessarily should become, but what it would become was correct, right? Right. We saw industrialization. The first industrialization and the second industrialization. America was an industrial giant in the first half of the 20th century. The early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s especially, you know. Well, in the 1800s, you have a guy by the name of Horace Mann. Excuse me? Horace Mann. <laughs> H-O-R-A-C-E-M-A-N-N. Look, I'm everybody to listen right now. I'm, I'm getting as much history class right now. <laughs> As everybody else. So I'm just sitting back, yeah. and I am listening, and I'm taking it all in. I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to make it quick. I haven't had history class in a long time. I'm, so. I'm sorry. I don't mean to preach, but I'm, no, trying, I'm, okay. trying, to, I'm trying to make this I'm quick. I'm enjoying it. But this is, this is important to, to our conversation. But that last word you just said, that last name, watch your mouth, okay? <laughs> all right. Horace Mann. So Horace Mann was appointed the Secretary of Education in Massachusetts, I don't remember the year. It doesn't matter. Anyway, early 1800s. Yeah. Right around the time industrialization and the Industrial Revolution kind of was hitting New England, Massachusetts. And so there was this, a, a lot of education at that time in America was was private and exclusive to the upper echelons of society, your wealthier citizens because those were the only ones that could afford private tutors. But Horace Mann believed, wait a minute, now we have all these factories. We don't have any farmers anymore. We don't have people that can support themselves on farms anymore. We've got factory workers. And these factory workers need to be educated because we want them to be the best factory workers that they can be. And plus we want them to vote, right? And we want them to vote for us, not the other guy. So Horace Mann comes up with this concept of mass public education where the government funds education. The government pays teachers. The government pays for school books. The government builds schools, that kind of thing. And so he he leads this educational revolution, so to speak, in the early 1800s, right when the first industrial revolution is hitting America in in New England. And it slowly spreads over the course of the next hundred or so years so that by the time you hit the early 1900s and that second industrial revolution has really set in, you've got a school system that's fully devoted to creating a worker. Right. Think about it. What are kids in schools trained to do? Come in in the morning. Be on time. Don't be tardy. If If you're tardy, you get in trouble. Right. Be on time. Sit down. Be quiet, do your work, raise your hand if you have a problem, but only if you have a problem. Report to your teacher. The teacher reports to whom? The teacher reports to the principal. The principal reports to the superintendent. Okay? When class is over with, what rings? A bell. You what, what, what dismissed workers? A bell. Yeah. How many classes do you have a day? And I'm, and I'm talking about high school mostly here, but right. how many classes do you have a day? You have... Four, five, six, seven, right? Right. How many shifts do you have at a factory? Three, two, right? Right. So education, modern public education in the United States was developed 
to reinforce some of these worker concepts, right? To train workers. Yeah. It was a reflection of what it was going to be. Like. Exactly. Yeah, after you, after you graduated. Because our goal was, okay, we've got to train workers. We've got to train factory workers. Yeah. America's very different now. Granted, there has been a, there has been a I guess, a renaissance of manufacturing in the United States over the past three, four years. But most Americans now today are either small business owners work for the government or work in the service industry. They don't, yeah. they don't work in manufacturing anymore or they're tradesmen of some kind. So now educators have to ask themselves, what, what should our education system look like? How should we be training our students? And I think it goes back to kind of the topic of this podcast. We need both college-educated people and career-ready people. We need them both. They're both important. I'm sure some people would argue that one's more important than the other. Yeah. I mean, I'm not here to argue that. But I think for the past 20 years, we've been doing our kids a major, major disservice because I think we have strong-armed a lot of parents and kids into thinking that college is the only way to success. I would agree, yep. But what, what does a successful American look like? And that's not a rhetorical question. Generally, what, Brandon, what do you think a successful American looks like? Uh, I guess because I'm sitting here. That's it. I mean, right. I mean, I mean, in, in that in that definite. Okay, so you pay your taxes, you vote, you respect the law, you take care of your family. To me, that is a successful. You are a successful American. Yeah. Right. And so I think whether whether you're a college-bound or a career-bound individual, you can do those things. Right. How many people do you know that skipped college that are that now make way more money than me, who is a college-educated? Granted, I'm a teacher, so I'm not a really good example of a highly paid college-educated person. But anyway, yeah. that's another topic for another time. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway. Yes, I do know some people, yes. I know a lot of people. Yeah. A significant amount of people, especially around here where a lot of your wealthier individuals you don't even know they're wealthy because they're just so good at just being normal everyday people but they right. have millions of dollars right you know they yeah. may not drive the nicest car but they own a, a restaurant in town and they do very well for themselves and they've worked hard and they make a lot of money and they have other side businesses where they make money mm-hmm. and they're a lot better off than I than I am, or, or really you, probably. So I've talked way too much. So I'm going to kind of throw it back to no, you. No, I mean no. It's it's. I think that that needs to be talked about. It needs to be heard. So I, I don't, you know, I really don't have much to say. Well, I, did, I didn't mean I didn't mean to go off on this history lesson. No, but, I mean it's good. It's, you know, it's it, it, you're you're trying to pinpoint. You know, when I was thinking about the episode, I knew that I had to talk about some of these bullet points because. Right. A lot of Americans don't really understand why education is the way that it is in America. Yeah. I would agree. So, you know, I I know a lot of parents out there. I know you've probably heard this. You know, America has the lowest math scores in the developed world. And Japan and China have their reading scores are ten times better than America's. And 
this and that. I don't have you heard stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I heard some of it. Yeah, yeah. So, fun fact: most of the developed world, especially Europe, most European countries, the way their education systems are set up, when you get to a certain point in your educational career, by now what we would consider seventh, eighth, not ninth grade, it differs by country. You take an exam, or you are put through some sort of assessment. Yeah. And it is then determined at that moment, based on how you do on that assessment, whether you go into what, as Americans, we would consider AP classes or advanced honor classes. Right. Or you go into your vocational side. Right, yeah. And then you stick to whatever you go into. Right. You know, now... In America, it's kind of like you do both, or you can do both if you want to. Kids can, they can come to school and they can take their classes and all that, and then they go off to career tech school for the other half of the day. But in Europe and these other countries, after you're about 15, 14, or 15 years old, the education system determines where you need to go. Yeah. And you go in that direction. Right. Well, when it comes to testing, they're only testing the academics, a.k.a. the people that want to go to college. Yeah. The, the people that do well in school. That's why their test scores are a lot higher, because in the United States of America, we test everybody. Oh, yeah. We test every last soul on the planet. Even Billy Joe. Even Bill, even good old Billy Joe. By the way, Billy Joe is not a real person. That's just a placeholder name. Yeah, we're just using that for example. <coughs> yeah, yeah, example. So. No, I, that's, that's why I like, look. That's, a lot of people argue that that's what the United States should do. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about that? That's why, all right, first, hold on. Let me, that's why I, I'm letting you explain all that. That's. Again, I didn't mean to hog the mic. No, but. it's okay because I, you've got more info than I do. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay, um, I can only give you. I can only take you so far with what I've what I've been through. But um, no, I mean, uh, what was your question while ago? <laughs> do, do, do you agree with with the kind of the the European model, or do you think that let's say somebody comes to you and goes, hey? I'm going to change the entire American education system. What should I do? And and your options are try to fix what we've got now or try to not fix, but try to improve what we have now using what we have now or change it to something along the lines of what I just explained to you that that like Europe and some of these other Asian countries do where they split the kids into two different groups after a certain point. <sighs> I would say improve on what we have now. I, I mean, um, look, I, I see the I see the shift that we're that you're talking about that we're making because we do need we need more people who have craft who know how to do different things, and that's from the automobile business. That's from you know welding. Um, to all the way down to laying a foundation, um, pouring, you know, and laying block and stuff like that. We need them people. We need them, them um, people who can work like that. 
Because if we don't, then uh, that's where the... We were kind of talking about it earlier also, where you got other people coming in, um, and we can get all uh, into another conversation on that another day mm-hmm. about uh, illegal or legal people who come in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it makes a difference. It really does because... Now, I told you... Like I said, we won't get into another conversation about this stuff, but you feel like a lot of that takes away from jobs. But then again, it's I think it's the work ethic of a, of American people right now that there's not a lot there where we need to start laying that foundation again to to rely on them people again like we used to. It's 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 beginning to be a lost art. I guess is what I'm trying to say. A good work ethic is sadly very rare. Is what you're saying? Yes. When it, I would agree definitely. When it comes to like your line of work, I mean, how many people are jumping up and down at the opportunity to go weed eating for four hours? That is no one. There you go. So, and, and even you know, I, I could argue. Even if you're paying well, I, I know of plenty of people that have tried to go hack it at a job that pays fifteen to twenty dollars an hour, starting out. That is their starting hourly pay, right? And they don't make it two weeks, yeah, because it's hard work. Because they actually have to put in the time and the effort. So that's well. Let me ask you this. Is it, do you work harder when you're working for somebody else or you work harder when you you're, you're, you have your own business? <laughs> you know, I think, I think that is a very hard question to answer. There's so many ways you could answer that question because yes. it all depends on are you self-motivated? Right. Are you a leader? Are you a follower? America needs followers. I hate it when when people say, be a leader. Yes, be a leader, if you're a leader. But sometimes people need to be followers. Yeah. I think a, a majority of the time you tend to work harder if you have your own business. But there are also people, I would like to say, like you, Nick, mm-hmm. who, who work for the school that work just as hard like they had their own business you know and I, like you said it's, it's the motivation part of it what yeah. motivates you uh, enough to to be that top person um, I'll be honest I, there was time I, I probably didn't work as hard working for somebody else as I would myself because when you work yourself You've got nobody to rely on besides you. Hey, you're it. You know what I'm saying? Something There's goes no wrong. backup plan. Yeah. You're it. Um, you've got to get out of bed. You have to hold yourself accountable. At early times in the morning. Yeah. And 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 go and go just dig it out and, and just do the best you possibly can. So uh but I see I see both sides of it. I, I was just asking that question to see what you thought. Um, well, as as we kind of bring this whole episode 
back around to, to a kind of a close. I want to ask you this. I just think this is kind of a fun thing to okay. help wind us down on. And I'll answer this question too, but what is the one thing you own your small bit? You cut grass for a living. You own a grass cutting business. What is the one thing that not a lot of people know about what you do for a living? What is one thing that maybe about your business, your industry, your career field, as the owner of a small business that, that cuts grass, you know, that, that op, you operate a grass cutting business? Landscaping business. What is one thing about that that not many people know about that you think they would find interesting? Uh, detail. What do you mean by that? It, a lot of people think anybody can cut grass, right? You can get a lot more Nate Wilson to go cut oh, grass. I cut a lot of, I've cut okay. a lot of grass in my day. Right. Yeah. But the detail of it is what people look for when you're actually cutting somebody else's yard. So I think a lot of people... I just have a lot of people come up to me and they're like, hey, you know, how do you, you know, I don't, how many yards you got? How Can I go get started and go do this and that? And they just got a lot of questions for me. And I'm like, you know, it's easy, but it's not simple, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, you can't I just, know exactly what you mean. Especially a lot of these subdivision homes and just think you're just going to walk in there and cut somebody's yard. No, it ain't just going to happen that way because they look for detail in your work. They're looking for things uh, to make their yard look really, really nice. And that's from anywhere from the lines being perpendicular, you know, going up and down, going side to side. And um, it's it's uh, it's a skilled craft you got to have um, that it just don't work overnight, if you know what I mean. So looking back on your first year doing this, do you kind of cringe at at your skill level oh yeah to now. i was an idiot i was an idiot <laughs> yeah 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 i could have i could have done things so much easier and better but uh, oh of course yeah uh, i was i was young and dumb and i was working aren't we all i was working myself to death <laughs> really i mean just absolutely i'm thinking just i, I wasn't being we're talking about open-minded enough <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, about certain yeah. things. Um, so it, it it took me a little while to figure figure some loopholes out on, on to a way. To yourself. Yeah, to, on a way to do things and, and, and make up time yeah. is what I'm saying. And uh, because in this industry of grass cutting, you've got to be on the go all the time. You, you kind of got to learn how to know how to do things fast. And if you don't, you know, you're too slow, then it can mess you up. So, um, it's easy. Anybody can do it. But at the end of the day, you got to be detailed in your work. And I think that's with anything, but especially grass cutting, because a lot of people see it and a lot of people notice it. So, um, that that would be my answer. Yeah, that's I did not expect that. So, thank you. Yeah, obviously. What did you expect? What did you expect? I, did I you don't expect know it? what I expected. Okay, all right. I just um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess if I were to answer that question, what is one thing about teaching that nobody thinks about or nobody hey, Dave, knows? Hey, what is one thing about teaching <laughs> that well, nobody knows? Well, that's a really hard question because there's a lot of things. But nobody understands how much... Nobody can ever truly understand 
how much a a teacher actually cares about a kid. You know, as parents, you you understand loving your kid because they are your kid. You created that that thing. You know, <laughs> you had a part of you is in that kid, right? Right. right exactly. Um, Many personalities in there yes. in your classroom. Yes, but, which would probably make me go ballistic. But but for me. As a teacher, and I, and I think I can speak about most, not all, but most teachers just have the biggest hearts. And, you know, we spend, especially when they get to high school, we spend more time with them. And as coaches, as a coach, we spend more time with them than you do as a parent. Yeah. No, we don't know everything about that kid. Right. By the time they're in high school, you as a parent, I hate to admit it, I hate to say it to you, but you don't either. You know, they're 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 an adolescent. You might know ninety eight percent of everything about that kid. Oh yeah. But you don't know everything. And I'm not saying that we do, but when when a teacher has to talk to a parent about their kid, there's always this trepidation because you never you know that that parent doesn't really understand your relationship with that, that student, that kid. And as a person that doesn't have any, I don't have any biological children of my own. I'm not married. So I kind of treat my students as if, if they were my kids. Obviously, I have to maintain a teacher-student relationship. I right. have to be professional, right? But there isn't much that I wouldn't do for my students. And it's because, I mean, I, I love them. I do. And I do know a lot about them. A lot of them come to me and talk to me about stuff. And and I get to see different sides of them than their parents do. And so, you know, I guess the one thing about teaching that not a lot of people understand is, is how much teachers love their students and the depth of that relationship that comes about. So, anyway, but yeah, it's it's... It's, that's it can be a lot tougher than what most people think. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and it's not just show up and and teach a class. It's yeah. It's dealing with multiple personalities each and every day. Exactly. And getting to, to build a relationship with them. Yes. And know exactly what they're what they're and maybe the, and, possibly going through. And that's another thing. You know, that's the key to teaching. That right there. It's not. You know, you can know every single thing about history. You literally could have an entire encyclopedia in your head. Yeah. That doesn't make you a good history teacher. Right. What makes you a good history teacher or a math teacher or a science teacher, and I know, one, because I am a teacher, and two, because I had teachers, is that relationship. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I was going to work ten times harder for a teacher that I cared about, that I knew cared about me, than if they didn't. Yeah, I don't know if I had anyone who cared about me that much. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um yeah, I see that. I see that. You tend to want to... Uh, but that's with anybody, right? You want to work hard for somebody that you know would do the same for you. Right. You, exactly. I agree. Yeah. But anyway, didn't mean to get all like that. Get all you, emotional. So yeah. Honest, sir, Nick. Um, but it's time, to, it's time to wrap this... I don't know. Woogie boogie up. Wait. Recommendations. What do I recommend? Go, well, I'll let no, you go. No, first. I'll let you go. Okay, so 
I recommend that everybody go out there and buy a Polaroid camera. Okay. Yes, they still make Polaroid cameras. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. yes, they still make Polaroid film. Because I have one. I recently bought one. I've had it for about two months. I've taken, well, you can see how many pictures over there. I've posted, I've put up all my, <laughs> I've posted all my pictures <laughs> on my wall. <laughs> Literally, though. All my Polaroids are, are on uh, the studio door right there that I've it, taken. It's just funny how things come back. And, what you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's in style. It's a trend. It's a fad. And that may be true, but for me, it's not that. For me, it's it's two things. It's an art. Like, there's this art about only being able to take a picture once. Yeah. Now, I, now honestly, I could take a picture as many times as I wanted to, but I'm going to waste a lot of film doing it with a Polaroid. Right. And that, and that film is... Not cheap. Right, yeah. So, you know, there's a thrill out of that, an artistic thrill from that perspective. But two, there's just something about having a physical picture in your hand, looking back on that memory, and being able to hold it in your hand and looking at that picture and going, wow, and and just feeling it, you know. So I, I recommend everybody go get an instant camera of some kind. It don't have to be a Polaroid. I, I would recommend a Polaroid because they did it first and the best, but. Go out there, get you an instant camera, and take some take some pictures. Now, the Pol- Polaroid was created when? Oh, God. Do you know exactly <sighs> what year it was created? 50. 50? 6. Oh, really? 50. Late 50s, early 60s. The guy that invented it, you know, his daughter, the, the reason he invented it is his daughter, it took him years to invent it, but um, because the key was the instant film. That was the key. But one day they were taking pictures, and his daughter was like, "Hey, I want to see it now. Can I see it now?" And you know, he had to explain to him that, or to his daughter, that, "Sorry, we've got to wait till till it develops." Well, he just happens to be a chemist, yeah, and he goes on to develop the the Polaroid, uh, the Polaroid camera, the first model. I can't I can't remember its name, but um, but anyway, um, I was just interested in see. I, I couldn't remember what the Polaroid SX seventy, I believe, was the first Polaroid. The the first, yeah, it, invented by American scientist and chemist Edwin Land. The Model 95 Land camera was invented in 1948. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, a year after he unveiled the first instant film in New York City. Wow. So, anyway, but yeah, I, go get you one. That's cool. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, I've I've got one. And I started watching it. It, it, it. It's a series show. Not it doesn't involve tigers, does it? Uh, no, it don't. Okay, good. Okay. No, no. Uh, it's it's called. It's the director is Dallas Jenkins. Do you know him? I don't. He's created a series called The Chosen, and it's basically a series about Jesus Christ and and his disciples and. What's you know? It's led from one through his ministry. Yeah, as, you know. Um, but uh, man, I started watching it last night, and it is really well done. Really well done. Where, where is it? Now you available? can get you can go to the app. The app. I think it's you type in the chosen or whatever. It'll bring on, them, on the app store. Yes, and it'll bring it up. And they they're on a. I really can't tell you what it, kind of app it is, but it's like basically 
anybody and everybody can pay a certain amount. Well, say if I pay, I decide I want to donate $20 to it. I can. So you, Nick Wilson, can go on it and watch an episode basically for free. I'm paying for you to watch. Or for very little. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but started watching it the other night. Very well done. He brings a different... I know you've watched maybe some other movies by Jesus Christ, and it's kind of... I heard him do an interview the other day, and, and they're kind of... You watch them, and they're like, man, they're really boring. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. They are, for real. I mean, they're like... They are. You know, it's Most just hard them, to watch. You yeah. sit there and pay attention. Well, this he brings a different atmosphere to it. More of a flair, maybe? You know, we're, yeah. Where a lot of times in other movies, you know, Christ is kind of revealed, hey, he's... Yeah, he is God. And he's got this mannerism to him, you know. It's just like... It's godly. Mm-hmm. But he's also... He was also man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's also... Half God, half man. And, well, what is he made in the image of? You know, yeah. we're made in the image of him. And he's, you know, in all our humor to our sadness to everything. And he kind of brings that to light that, hey, he, you know, Jesus, you know, he had a sense of humor. He, he yeah. made jokes. You yeah. know, he, he, he did, you know, when he got cut, you know. He bled. Yeah, I mean, it, stuff like that, you know, just kind of interesting, but. Um, check that out. I've been awesome. I've been watching it off my phone. Awesome. So it's uh it's been a cool. And he's he's unmade season one, which I haven't. There's, got. So there's going to be more seasons. Yes. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yes, and it's all fundraised basically. I mean, it's you know, um, through what it, you know the fundraising that he goes through to to Is it Kickstarter or Indiegogo something like that. Yeah, something along them yeah. lines. Um, but he's made he's pretty much made season one. He's making season two. And um, so check that out. Awesome. If you've got some time on your hands. I'm watching you Tiger do, King right now. You know, right now we do. I'm watching Tiger King right now. Are you really? Yeah. Did you start it? I've watched episode one. Apparently it picks up after episode one, so I'm after after we leave the studio tonight. So is I'm episode one kind of slow? Yeah, it's yeah, it's slow, but, but it's, intriguing? Still, it's still interesting, okay. if that makes sense. But yes, it's slow. Because there's a lot of setup to it, right? You, it's setting up all these characters, and and anyway, so yeah. So you started? I've started it last night. It's a, it's a really well done. Yeah. Well, at least the first episode was well done. The first yeah. episode was well done. I think. I don't know, man. I, I'm. I've heard so much about it. I want to go there, but then I've had others tell me, "Don't start it unless." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're unless ready. You, unless you you're ready and you want to go there because yeah. it's 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 uh, intense, is what I hear. So, but yeah, we'll uh, I guess in the future we'll have some conversations about that. Maybe, maybe H- who knows? Maybe not. Well, I think I think you know there are going to be some episodes in the future that'll be dedicated to us just talking about one movie or one song oh, yeah, or yeah, one yeah. band or something like that. You know, yeah. we've kind of talked about all that stuff before in season one, but. I think we're going to get it very specific moving forward. So, oh yeah. Again, we've got a lot of ideas for the rest of season two. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah, man, it's we, been fun. We love doing this. Yeah. Just, we sit here and talk and talk really. The to less each other. I talk, the less I talk, the better. No, the less I talk, the better. And I've talked way too much this episode. Well, look, we're on a topic today that I think that you have more 
background in, you have more expertise in than I do. I'm just a, I'm just a grass cutter, man. No, you, you had a lot of, you had an experience and a journey that gave a lot of insight into what we talked about today. Well, I think it's a journey that, that a lot of people live out and do each and every day. So, and I think there's a lot of people who have the journey, the same journey you have. And uh, I don't know. The point what is, it, is we need the most both. of the. I guess the people who really are going to help is the ones who are, who are about to graduate, and they're looking for some guidance. And and we need both. We need both yeah, college need, and career yes. participants. Yeah, so, that's nice to have. Yeah, I mean we need both. But guys, I think I think this concludes episode three of season two. What you say, man? We either talk, go home. 